From Impact Alpha Media, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet. With me here in New York is Imogen Rose-Smith, a senior writer with Institutional Investor Magazine. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area is David Bank, founder and editor-in-chief of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, thanks. On today's show, we're going to wade into the increasingly contested terrain of gender lens investing. But before we begin, David, can you tell us a little bit about today's sponsor? Yes, we're happy today to be sponsored by Weatherby Asset Management, based out here in San Francisco. Folks can learn more about Weatherby's approach to impact investing and check out their brief on shareholder engagement at weatherby.com. That's W-E-T-H-E-R-B-Y.com. Thank you, Weatherby. Great. Thanks, Weatherby. Now to the discussion at hand. Imogen, you had a provocative article recently in Institutional Investor titled, The Research Diversity Experts Don't Want You to Read. It took on one of the most cherished beliefs in impact land, that women in leadership, and especially on corporate boards in particular, is not only the right thing to do, but the smart thing to do, that it's good for business as well. Can you tell us about your article? Sure. Um, and to be fair, it wasn't me taking on these beliefs. It was really um, Catherine Klein, who is the Vice Dean for Social Impact at the Wharton School of Business. Um, and she has done, a, she, she wrote an article that was really an overview of all of the academic peer-reviewed research that is out there on women serving on corporate boards. And the sort of the, the, the widely held and cherished assumption is that having more women or really more diversity on corporate boards is going to lead to companies that perform better. And the, the underlying idea being that having people with different perspectives brings different ideas and results in a board that thinks differently and isn't just sort of a rubber stamp for a corporation and that that is better governance and leads to better and healthier companies. That seems to be a, an article of faith of many in the impact and sustainable investment. Yeah, land. and it, it it intuitively makes sense, right? And you see it in, and you see it in different areas as well. The sense the same is true of minorities, the same is true of having people from LBGT backgrounds on boards. That you want to have you don't want a board that is just a bunch of yes white men, right? That you want to have different voices. And this isn't for any kind it's of a, tokenism or kind of, uh, you know, play towards ethnic identity or, or any kind of uh, basic identity concept, but it's more about diversity uh, in in composition also uh, creates diversity in perspective and therefore yeah. more perspectives lead to the, better outcomes. Yeah, and the, the group think leads to bad outcomes and that you need to have a board that is strong and able to, that's the whole point of having a board, right? That, that, that they provide this oversight. Um, but what her study finds is that, what her overview of these various studies finds is that there is no material outperformance for boards that have women on them. So these sort of, and, and people want to make this argument, particularly sort of fiduciaries and investors want to make the argument that companies will perform better if they have women on them. Because that is, that's a night, that's, that's an easy line, right? It makes it easy to say, I am making this investment or I am making this shareholder action because this will lead to better investment outcomes. And what she's saying is, is you really can't see that it does. And actually, even more potentially damningly, 
having there's no there's no compelling evidence that having women CEOs makes a difference to performance, and there's no compelling evidence that having women in the C-suite leads to better corporate performance. Um, which, but it's important to note that she's also not saying that these companies underperform. She's just saying that they don't outperform, and this has upset certain people in the impact investing and gender lens investing community because they see it as being, you know, an affront to sort of their core beliefs. It's such an article of faith that when uh, Ariana Huffington made a comment about women on boards and David Bonderman made a quip at the recent Uber meeting, and his quip was, you know, relatively, well, I won't even say that because then I'll get in trouble. In any event, the quip was enough to force him to, to resign from Uber's board. Well, the quip was seen as a mildly sexist joke, it, and he did it in the, in the context of interrupting the woman on the board talking about their improvements in corporate culture, yeah, during, especially around sexist jokes. So, during, I mean, <laughs> and, also about, and, and, also, and also about more representation of women on the board. Yeah, during the time. I think time Ariana that, like, being the first and then, then there being maybe more to come. I'm sorry, David. I I don't want you to interrupt our lone woman <laughs> woman on the podcast here, who's trying to get appointed. Yeah, trust. But no, I trust me. I, I have no problem butting in. Um, I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna make a joke, but that's a dangerous thing to do. But that's actually. I mean, this actually gets to one of the things that's so strange about this, right? Is that, like, you know, we've done many of these podcasts, and you know. By far, in my opinion, the worst podcast we did was one that we actually never ended up running because there was something wrong with the audio or something. But it was it was the last time we tried to talk about gender lens investing. And you guys struggle with it in a way that you don't seem to struggle with other issues. Similarly, David Bonderman, I mean, not to compare you guys to a 74-year-old titan of private equity, struggled with this idea of, like, women on a board it's it it's so strange to me that this somehow is an issue that we are still uncomfortable with like what is it about gender in particular and women in particular that is still so difficult to discuss in a corporate setting and i think you know to get back to sort of the the report and the point is that like what i think is really important about this report is that or sorry, the the article is that Catherine Klein is using peer-reviewed data. She's not using like the endless reams of reports and studies that come out from consulting firms. She's saying if you actually look at the data, it doesn't show our performance, which does not mean we shouldn't be talking about this stuff. It doesn't mean that like talking about women representation is not an issue. It means that we have to go deeper and understand it better. That it's not enough just to stay. I mean, look, what is Ariana Huffington doing on the board of Uber? Right? Like, it's it's clearly hasn't made a difference to the corporate culture because we knew this was a problem for the last two or three years. All of a sudden, we're holding Ariana Huffington up as being like, you know, this bastion of feminist rights when she was quite happy to sit on that board, as far as we know, for the last few years without changing the culture. Like, so it's not enough to put you know, a woman on a board, you have to really think about what is a company doing? You have to do a much deeper dive. And clearly Uber is an example of where treating women employees poorly has huge ramifications for the business. So I think it's about changing how we frame up and think about these issues. Well, I think that I think that's exactly right, Imogen. And the other 
point is that, you know, in the lexicon of gender lens investing, women on boards is perhaps the sort of weakest indicator of using a gender lens. I mean, the, the other ones that are presumably more powerful are women's access to capital for women entrepreneurs who some would argue have you know better success rates or or lower risks in various ways or particular insight into into uh, markets in, in a number of ways and then the most powerful probably is you know products and services that really meet the genuine needs of women and girls which is you know a vastly underappreciated part of of just even product design i mean you know drug testing that is actually you know drugs that are actually tested on on women to see their efficacy and that sort of thing. Uh, so this this particular article you're talking about shouldn't uh, I don't think go all the way to discrediting gender lens investing more broadly. Do you think? No, I no, and 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 again, in my defense, I don't say that in the article, and I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that it should encourage us to think about these issues in more sophisticated, nuanced, and thoughtful ways. I do take issue with you, though, on the, the, the question of women and risk. That's kind of, that to me is a very similar notion to the one around, well, women on boards is just going to be better, right? Like, we need to think about, like, so, you know, and Morgan Stanley has actually done some, has some very interesting research and has done some work on this. You think, for example, so the, the argument is, well, women are more conservative, they're, they're, they're less risked, they, they take less risks. Therefore, they are going to be better investors. Not necessarily, right? Because you need to take risk to be an investor. So when you might actually be a worse investor because you're not willing to take risk or you're not willing to take risk early enough or at the right time. So it, it, it's sort of lazy thinking to be like, oh, well, women are... And, and also, I mean, and I think one of the things, again, that, that comes across from clients' research is, is what women are we talking about? Because perhaps one of the reasons that you don't see that 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 women in the C-suite don't result of Fortune 500 companies, right? Don't result in the diversity of thinking that you would think they might, is because to rise to that level, they have had to act like men, or they have had to sort of leverage the the, the network of men. So Aaron Huffington, amazing example of this, has sort of leveraged a network of rich and powerful men to achieve her success. So that in part sort of washes out any diversity or any different perspective that they might have had. To your point about what women we're talking about, the women I was talking about in terms of risk is, you know, smallholder farmers in Latin America and, and, and Africa. Root Capital has done a lot of research on this and found that, you know, repayment rates of, of loans and, and whatnot was, was actually better. They, they had started as a kind of having a you know, a, a women project or a women's research initiative of some sort. And then they decided they're going to make that part of the lending criteria across the whole business because it was such a, um, a clear indicator. And that's a great example, right? Like, does that have anything to do with their Y chromosome or does it have to do with the role of women in that society and the role of family and the need to repay that capital? It's, it's not because they're women per se, right? There's nothing inherently female about it. It's it's a socioeconomic construction. It's it's not a gender construction. Do you see what I mean? So are you saying that uh, gender is a social construct, so gender lens investing, therefore, is a social construct? <laughs> yes. Everything is a construct. If you read your <laughs> Judith Butler, you will know that. Uh, but I, I'm not... I, and, and this actually, again, might... My, might be my institutional background. 
the gender I struggle with gender lens investing as a concept like I, I I don't struggle with investing in women I don't struggle with sort of where this can be effective or it's important as sort of a plank within sort of the impact investing conversation but the idea of investing with a, a, a lens to gender doesn't actually make any sense to me because there are always more inputs. So, so you can say, I think investing in women is important. I choose to do that. Or I think that this, th this, is, this is a trend where you're going to see more women consumers and therefore this is a good entry point and can be profitable. But gender lens, like the idea of gender lens investing doesn't really work for me. But I mean, as, as David laid out, though, I mentioned, so that, you mean, know, this is, again, this is, I'm going to mansplain this yeah, I know you to really you. <laughs> Allow me to Thank mansplain you. Can you please explain lands. to me the concept of risk and how that, that loans made to women working in, in, like, you know, developing market countries might be paid? I, I don't think I understand it. No, right. no, no, I think you understand risk. But no, no, just to, just to say, like, to, just to be fair, and I think to... to uh, to be fair to genderlands uh, and the, as a concept, uh, is you know this is it's not just as David said it's not just women uh, on boards but it's it's women as managers so women who are in the C suite of really? companies um, it's also women as employees <laughs> so <laughs> right it's so what are the the, the policies uh, and and pay structures and and kind of family friendly work life balance policies for women in the workforce it's women as consumers as David said you know what are the products and services that I, meet I also that meet mentioned needs. that I am but, uh, familiar with the concept of women and, as and women as entrepreneurs so how do we yes. make sure that they have access to to growth capital women as borrowers how do they have access to loans uh, and then women as investors so how, how about you know making sure that uh, that if we want uh, a more fair more just more equitable world more inclusive world then we need to have more women making decisions about the allocation of capital uh, and that, no, so and we I, need more women fund managers I absolutely agree with that my point is is that they, that women are also people right and that they exist in a broader socio-economic political consumer context and that to to miss that it i mean of course we should have like women on boards women represent like 51 percent of the population it's ridiculous that we don't right and to to somehow and also i mean to somehow tie all of this up into an economic conversation is to miss the point that it's a social conversation so right? so i i guess i guess there's always there's always a, a sense that uh and there's always a claim that you could have your gender cake and eat it too right this this sense that that uh having women let's just take the example of women on boards that that having women on boards is the right thing to do but it's also the smart thing to do and what you're trying to call into question is that this research shows uh that, that you wrote about that, that this research shows that maybe it's not the smart thing to do meaning that it's not the dumb thing to do but it doesn't you don't get the outperformance that you might that we we maybe have been led to believe that it was there but you're not very saying so then let's lean into that question about is it the right thing to do you brought up another good example Charles Sandenberg right like I'm saying it's necessary but not sufficient we can't be like oh we've got Cheryl Sandenberg and Adriana Huffington so we're done it's all right now everything's okay women are doing fine no need to worry about it right like the, the, the these questions are much more profound and they're much deeper and they they deserve a much better, greater understanding and it, it, it's crazy to me that we have a blind spot around this and that it's it seems so difficult for people to talk about and so as a result we can only do so in these massively broad brushstrokes 
So, so is that an argument for? But going? I think I think just to I think just to, and now I'm interrupting you, Brian. Just put the record show. <laughs> <Me too>. um, <laughs> I think I mean just the, the 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 extent to which this is an article of faith in impact investing, not about women on boards, but about women entrepreneurs, women women um, consumers, and whatnot. Is is you know I'm just looking at recent headlines in Impact Alpha. You know the International Finance Corp's first social bond raises 500 million for women-led companies. Community capital management customizes mortgage pools for low-income women. Femtech funding tops $1 billion as women's health takes center stage. AXA readies public equities fund to tap gender diversity dividend. I mean, I could go on and on. There's a, a drumbeat of investors who are at least purporting to be investing in this opportunity. And it's precisely because it's not it's not all, all done. There, the disparities are... Are, are you know continue to exist and therefore when there's a you know when there's an underinvestment on the one hand and an overperformance on the other you have what you know what what we would call impact alpha yeah, so is that really are are those investors are they are they responding to what they see as an uh, alpha opportunity or are they responding to uh, client demand right and that there are more women who are have access to more wealth uh, and that are making more uh, investment decisions for their families. Uh, and so you, you see uh, wealth management teams and different banks and different financial service organizations tend to create product to serve that demand from those asset owners. Again, like that, that's another example, right? So there, are, there is data out there that shows that, again, Morgan Stanley has done a study that talks about this. And they found that there are, you know, women are expected to inherit more of the wealth transfer coming down the pipeline than men, right? For obvious reasons, in part because women live longer. But and women show a disproportionately high interest in impact investing. However, if you look at the people who actually are doing the impact investing, it is more men than women. So again, you know, when you drill down into the numbers, there are more complexities. But there's also a question, right, where whereby the impact investing community needs to turn around and look at itself, right? Like as an industry, how many women are you interviewing for jobs? Are you making like how much diversity do you have within your own organization? You know, it's 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 again, it's it it's a little disturbing how many of sort of the funds that we hold up as being the new flagships are run by men. You know, why do we think David Bonderman gets to be an impact investing champion? When he apparently like can't not be sexist, like you know that there is a way that that there is more self-examination that can be done within the impact investment community before you even get into these potential investment opportunities. <laughs> Resounding silence. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, I think, I, you, like like any good strong woman, you have rendered us speechless. Be be, be careful, Brian. Uh, no. Let, let me just say, I, I just I, I just have one final uh, observation about the David Bonnerman uh, quote uh, in that that he well, you should, interrupted. You should, you should unpack for people what he act, what actually went down. So, well, uh, according to reports, Ariana Huffington was at an Uber all-hands meeting um, and as an Uber board member uh, was speaking about how having one woman on a board often leads to more women joining a board. And then what Bonderman did was he interrupted the one woman on the board to make this sexist joke. And he said, actually, what it shows is that it's much more likely to be more talking. 
And that's essentially, I feel like David Brownberry was essentially channeling his inner 1980s stand-up comedian. You know, like, how about these women? Am I right, fellas? All they do is yap. I mean, I felt like that was like his inner 1980s bad stand-up comedy routine. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, he, he used this opportunity uh, to... to It kind of speaks to if that's the thought that comes to mind in the midst of one of the most important days in Uber's life as a company, dealing with major cultural challenges and dealing with major uh, uh, public pressure about uh, their CEO and behavior of senior leadership teams, uh, to then come out and make this sexist joke. I think it kind of uh, speaks to a broader issue in the culture. Well, it's funny because actually, Ariat. So <laughs> let me continue. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the, the, this, this incident sort of speaks to both why talking about women and diversity is important and why having a woman on a board alone is necessary but not sufficient, right? Uber shows the p- profound problems of not dealing with gender and issues of you know, alleged discrimination, sexual harassment, you know, what, how Uber was dealing with sort of rape victims. I mean, a whole host of issues that, 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 that were clear red, are clear red flags. And yet, as you know, having a woman on the board alone is not enough. And, you know, the whole thing sort of flared up with what Bonderman said and has sort of become, you know, it's sort of a tipping point for a conversation. And also, there's almost the, 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 just yet another indicator that there is something culturally very wrong with Uber. And you, you could expand that to Silicon Valley in general, right? That, that, that tech in particular has a massive problem with this. And again, that is a, a place where the impact community, the ESG community, the sustainable investing community can sort of step in and play a role and raise their voice but they have to be mindful to how and why they do that. It's not enough just to, as I say, wheel out Adriana Huffington, wheel out Sharon Sandberg and think that, you know, the job is done. Okay. I think that's going to be our final (laughs) word on the topic. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thank you, Imogen. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, David. Thank you. I think David has been stunned into silence. (laughs) (laughs) I think this has been our most fraught episode where David and I are walking very gingerly. Uh, Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and let others know about us. For more on the impact investing market, be sure to subscribe to Impact Alpha's daily email newsletter at impactalpha.com. We're also on Twitter at impactalpha. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Returns on Investment. We look forward to speaking again soon.